Welcome to Interwork with Marianne Walker, certified life coach for the helpers, healers, and anyone who wants to up-level their life. Life is what you make it, and here we make life pretty great. Come on in. Hi there. So today is going to be a bit different than the other episodes. Um, this is just going to be very raw and unscripted. Um, I'm recording this in August. I'm not quite sure when this will post. I'm just going to kind of feel it out for when it feels right. And I'm frankly not sure yet if it's going to be a full episode in and of itself or a mini bonus episode. We're just going to kind of see what comes up. <laughs> but I guess by the time you listen to this, <laughs> then that will have already been figured out. So today I wanted to talk a bit about grief. I'm going to be sharing about um, the passing of my dog. And while this is about a dog, I hope that you will see that grief is really universal. And um, I hope that you'll find some value and some things that are maybe applicable to you in your life as I share about the experience that me and my family had. So yesterday, it started out like any other day. <laughs> um, you know, I went, got up, went for a walk, hung out with the dog for a bit. <laughs> uh, I did a coaching call and, and then I got a text from my daughter that something's not right with Char. That's our dog's name is Char. And I went down and could see that Char's hind legs, she was spread eagle on the floor. Um, she couldn't move her legs. She'd lost all mobility in her legs. And, you know, I called, I called the vet to see if they could get her in that day. Um, the one we usually go to was unable to, but they referred us out to someplace 30 minutes away. So it was going to be a three hour wait before we could get her in to get care. And my eldest just started a new job and she was really torn. You know, she's like, well, I want to show up at my, my new job, but also I want to be here for Char. So you let me know. Like, if nothing changes, I want to be here and I'll see if I can come home from work early so I can be there. Because we all kind of knew that with her being 15 years old, um, that it was highly likely that this was going to be her last day. So she left for work. And the way that my oldest grieves, it's it's very visible that she is grieving. You know, she wears her heart, heart on her sleeve, which I just love about her that you know when she's experiencing joy, you know when she's experiencing pain, uh, you know when she's mad. I I just love that about her, that she is so, so free with her emotions and able to just express them very physically. So she left for work and then my middle child came in and she was kind of a rock. <laughs> she held the space for our dog uh, she was very mindful and attentive as to what her needs might be. So, you know, I, she made sure that she had pain meds and suggested that we make her some of her favorite treats. <laughs> so I made her some treats with peanut butter and oatmeal, and she loved those treats. And, and then she was also mindful of checking the time to make sure that we were moving her hips every now and then so that she wouldn't be too uncomfortable because she did seem quite uncomfortable after a while. It was hard to, we could see her little legs twitching, wanting to move, but unable to move. And it was beautiful to see her nurturing side come out as she cared for our dog. And then my youngest came down and she's more reserved. 
with expressing her emotions. She would rather uh, feel her pain and grief in private. So while she was present and extremely helpful with our dog, you know, she helped us to, to get her on top of a towel to use as a gurney to get her out to the car and helped us make sure that, that there was a bed in the back and that she was comfortable, uh, but she did not want to go with us to the vet clinic. And I was okay with that. You know, I, I kept telling myself, kind of giving myself pats on the back that, that look at you doing such a great job communicating with your kids, what's more than likely going to happen. And you're being so respectful of where they're each at individually and how they all grieve so differently. And, you know, I was giving myself lots of kudos <laughs> on that. And so then I contacted my husband and, and asked him if he wanted to come and, um, and it was interesting that I could tell even via text that he was kind of a bit in, in denial. Uh, so I let him know, like, I think this is her last day. He's like, okay, well, if that's the case, I would like to be there. Can you pick me up? <laughs> so I, I picked him up on our way out. And, and it, and that was really interesting for me to notice, like up until that point, I, I felt like I was doing such a great job. <laughs> but after I picked up my husband and I saw where he was at grief wise, I started to really judge it. So, but I didn't know I was judging it until I, I, I picked him up. And then, you know, there's, it was just me and my two eldest in the car and, and, and the dog, of course. And, and we were all kind of fighting tears and pretty emotional. And, and he got in and was super happy go lucky and, Hey, so how's she doing back there? And, oh yeah, you know, just kind of, um, in my mind, in my judgmental mind, <laughs> a little bit too upbeat given the situation. And he reached out his hand and put it, he saw me crying as I was driving out and he put his hand out on my shoulder and I knew he was trying to comfort me, but I also recognized I was having a really hard time receiving it. And, um, it had me thinking about, you know, I kind of, I, I realized in that moment that I wanted somebody to mourn with me. And I didn't feel like he was with me. It was kind of making me think about that Brene Brown video that you've probably seen where she talks about the difference between empathy and sympathy. And there's these two animals and one of them is down in this pit. <laughs> and the other one is is sitting up at the top of the pit saying, hey, how's it going down there? <laughs> and, and how the one in the pit wasn't really feeling understood until that animal came down and sat next to him and said, hey, I'm here with you in this pit. And let's, let's see what it's really like down here. And, and I think in that moment, I, I knew he was offering me sympathy and, and because I didn't feel like there was the empathy there, I had a really hard time receiving it. And even as I recognized that and thought that to self, then I was remembering a podcast and I wish that I could remember where it came from. Um, I remember the segment of it very well, but I can't remember the source. So if I remember by the time I post it, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes, but someone was interviewing a grief counselor and, um, they'd, you know, worked with grief their whole career, helping other people mourn. And then they lost their child and the mind shifts that occurred with being the one actually in the grief versus helping someone else through it and how hard that was that it, it shifted their whole dynamic with how they worked with people. But one thing that I thought was fascinating that they said was they were talking about how people grieve and how statistically speaking, couples who have lost a child are significantly more likely to divorce 
And they were asking, well, why is that? Is it like accusations around why the child died? Is it like, like that they just, you know, can't handle the grief or, or what's that about? And, and they said something so, it was very powerful to me. It's really stuck with me for all these years, but they said, it ultimately came down to the fact that the two of them grieved differently and they were judging how the other person was grieving. And that was just such a fascinating thought to me that, that even me here as a, as a mindfulness coach and a life coach, and I'm super aware of my thoughts that I still found myself judging where my husband was at because I wanted him to be feeling a specific feeling and to be at a specific spot in his processing and that I was judging that. And that made it hard for me to receive what he had to offer. So it was also interesting to observe as we were driving out there, what was happening inside of my head outside of the judgment. <laughs> um, I, I really was fighting back tears. And so I was working on my breathing and, and different things. Cause I, I didn't want to walk into the vet clinic in tears and unable to speak. Sometimes when I get crying so hard, I can't speak. And I wanted to be able to clearly communicate what was going on. Um, it's, and and not be a hot mess walking in there. I wanted to be able to speak clearly and communicate clearly. Uh, so so then I found myself coaching myself. <laughs> so I was telling myself, okay, it's okay. Just feel your feelings and and saying, okay, this is what sad feels like. This is what sad feels like. It's okay. This is just what sad feels like. And then I thought, well, is this sad or is this grief? And then I really got in my head where I was like, well, is this grief? Because she hasn't died yet. So is this grief or is this feeling the anticipation of grief? And then I was like, oh, brother, Marianne, you're getting ridiculous. Like, just feel your feelings. You don't have to <laughs> wrap words around it just yet. Just feel your feelings. And so then instead of labeling the emotion, I was just noticing, okay, I'm feeling, I'm feeling tight in my stomach. I'm feeling heavy in my chest. I'm feeling a lump in my throat and just breathing and allowing and letting myself feel. So once we arrived at the vet clinic, um, you know, again, at this point, my husband was still pretty much in denial and it wasn't until the vet said, okay, well, more than likely, given what you've told us, because she'd also been experiencing incontinence for several months. Um, I said, probably there is something compressing her spine in such a way that she's just going to be losing more and more mobility. And it doesn't appear that she is in pain, which was very good to hear, but they said, yeah, like more than likely this is, there's a tumor or something that is pressing on her spine. And, you know, they, they gave us our options that we could do steroids and see if that might possibly reduce the inflammation, but we wouldn't know for a week or more if it was helping and she might never regain or her ability to walk. And so they gave us a few minutes alone to discuss our options. And, and it was then that my husband felt his, his feelings. And it was then that the tears came for him. And the four of us that were there were able to talk about, you know, quality of life and, and what we really wanted for Shar And, you know, if we wanted to allow her to go now or wait a week, not knowing, you know, just knowing how miserable that would be for her to be, just be 
stuck in a bed and unable to, you know, it was even hard for her at that, at that angle to even prop herself up enough on her front legs to get a drink. Um, so we had to make that choice. So when they came in and it was time to let her go, it was at that point that my middle child who had been holding the space so well, when she broke down and allowed the tears to flow. And I really appreciated that the vet let us be alone in that room for as long as we needed to, to say goodbye. And my eldest, she, you know, cried into her fur and gave her kisses. And, and it was her that needed the most time there with Char to say goodbye. And I texted my youngest and let her know what was going on. And she thanked me and, and, you know, let me know that she was doing okay, even though it was hard. It was also interesting. There was another point at the vet clinic when I was judging my husband. Like, as soon as the vet left the room after Char's passing, then he jumped right into all of the positive memories. And I wasn't quite ready to focus on the beauty yet. I, I wanted to stay in that grief a little bit longer and feel my feelings there. So that was just interesting to note for self as well, that um, the judgment that I had not only around what feelings to feel, but when to feel them. <laughs> so then once we kind of caught up to each other and where we were at in our grief, and then it was beautiful that evening when we were able to share our memories and stories. And, and once we'd had time to process and cry together and laugh together, uh, we decided we just wanted to watch something funny. <laughs> so we watched one of our favorite sitcoms together and, and it was, it was nice and it was connective. I, I was thinking too, I really do appreciate the gift that pets give us, you know, since their lifespan is shorter, it really does give us an opportunity to practice grief and to model mourning, especially for our kids. It, it really is a beautiful gift to be able to practice that with our pets so that when it is someone close to us that we, that we know how to um, better navigate those emotions because we've had time to practice that. I also found it really interesting as I, you know, shared on Facebook about the passing of our dog. It was interesting to observe people's reactions and, and also my judgments around it, which I was receiving this outpouring of love and support. But again, I had a harder time receiving from the people that I felt like weren't quite where I was at, or they wanted me to be in a different place in my grief. Um, and, and so that was really interesting to observe in self that, that I, I really was judging others that weren't meeting me where I was at. <laughs> and, and I just wanted to feel my feelings and, and it made it harder for me to receive from those that really were being genuine in their reaching out and in their level of support. And, um, so that was just a really curious thing to observe in self, what it was that I was seeking around support and grief. When I coach, I, I coach a lot on the idea that there's more than one way to see any specific situation. There's more than one way to think about it. And I guess the reason why I'm sharing this experience is because I really do see that the value and, and can see what a beautiful experience it was to witness those five different ways just in my own family that people experience grief. And of course, there are as many ways to experience grief as there are people on the earth, uh, but that there is value 
in seeing and radically accepting that there isn't just one way or one timeline to approach grief. And it doesn't matter if it's the passing of a pet or the passing of a friend or family member, or maybe it's um, the ending of a marriage. We experience these many deaths that require grieving. And we all experience it differently. So I hope that we can all be better able to let go of the judgment <laughs> around other people's processing and timelines. And I think that when we're able to honor and acknowledge that other people might be at a different place, it helps us to show up in uh, more compassionate ways. But also be aware if you're being judgy like me, <laughs> to still graciously receive the, the love and support and the intent behind people's reaching out. So anyway, I hope that something in here has been of value to you. And I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week.